0: and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. And as always, I'm joined by Phil from Blueprint MCAT, formerly Next Step Test Prep. If you need some more help in your MCAT game, go to blueprint.com prep.com slash mCAT, where you can get free access to their full length one, which is what we're covering in today's episode. Again, that's blueprintprep.com slash mCAT. Let's go and jump in and see what we have in store today. Phil back with another MCAT podcast after getting destroyed last week with our chemphiz passage. Hopefully this week's a little bit easier.
1: Well, it kind of depends. Are you a chemistry person or are you a physics person?
0: I'm a the podcast passage, person.
1: Yeah, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the the previous passage was a pretty difficult chemistry passage. This one is going more in the physics realm. Okay. Okay. Um, it's I don't know if it's like necessarily easier, more difficult or certain, certain students who are going to think nine is easier than 10 and vice versa. Yep. I think it kind of comes down to individual strengths.
0: Well, I love physics. I, I also loved chemistry, but uh, as one of those rare breeds, um, mm-hmm. I just didn't like biology. Uh, which is yeah. funny because I love anatomy, but anyway. Yeah,
1: no, I'm totally with you. Like, yeah. give me give me an equation or a rule that I can apply <laughs> to 10,000 scenarios. Don't make me memorize a list of things. Exactly. And I feel like that's what biology is a lot.
0: Exactly. All right, well, if you want to follow along and see what we're seeing, read what we're reading, go to our YouTube channel, premed.tv. We have uh, videos of all of these from Full Length One uh, posted as we release them.
1: Yeah, and this is our last passage from last uh, the Kims section.
0: Thank the Lord. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go. All
1: right, so hopping in here, if vesicles are deformed while being transported through the body, vesicle membranes exhibit a tank-treading motion. During movement, a force capable of lifting these non-spherical, buoyant vesicles away from the substrate may result. To understand the role of vesicles may have in heart disease, researchers designed synthetic lipid vesicles to mimic erythrocytes and subjected them to shear flow close to a vessel wall the aim was to study the effect of vesicle buoyancy size and volume kind of an interesting thing here they're basically like taking these like bubbles and like slamming them into the wall and see <laughs> what they what they do um evidently they're doing this tank treading motion which in my mind like makes me think of like tumbleweeds mm-hmm. um kind of like rolling along um and they say that this can lead to some some buoyance um going through this. So uh once again they're kind of giving us some background info. Not a lot of really highly testable stuff. They do mention erythrocytes, so maybe there'll be some questions about red blood cells, but um I'm probably not gonna need to come back to this paragraph to answer any questions. Yeah. So the unilamellar vesicles are prepared by electroformation. One 12 diloyal sn glycero 3 phosphocholine which I don't ever want to say again, was dissolved in chloroform methanol solution. The solution was then spread on a conductive basis of two glass plates coated with transparent indium-10 oxide, EDO. The plates were connected to a 10 hertz alternating current And the resulting 1.5 volt potential difference was maintained between the plates for three hours. Lots of numbers they're giving us here, like 10 hertz, 1.5 volts, like three hours. Definitely can expect to maybe see some questions.
0: Yep.
1: Concentrations of solutions were altered to cause density variations. Finally, vesicles were diluted in a glucose solution of higher osmolality, but lower buoyancy. Osmosis produced partially deflated, flaccid, deformable objects... Uh vesicles settled on the substrate and their buoyancy was controlled and buried. Uh figure one shows partial results and data for selected vesicles. So basically they created these vesicles trying to mimic red blood cells, and then they put them in like a hypertonic solution. So it pulled some of the water out. They became kind of like flat tires, if you will. Um and they want to see how these are going to act under these these scenarios. Um yeah. they give us figure okay. one. Figure one, which, which the side? actual
0: Looks looks very similar yeah. to the UFO videos that were recently released,
1: <laughs> right? I think Bigfoot somewhere in there. <laughs> um, like, there's there's not a lot of stuff coming from that first paragraph that I or that that first figure. That I'm like, I, I mean, what would I do to calculate something or like interpret something? Yep. However, the explanation um, gives us. The shape diagram of vesicles under flow of one vesicle for different flow rates. So we have different different rates of like the movement of like blood flow that we have going on here, and we can see that um, under condition one, it seems like it's stuck to the the plate, and so you can kind of see the uh, the reflection there. Mm. Um, but then as the flow rate increases, we have like it starts to kind of detach, and so we see the buoyancy here by increasing the the rate of flow. Um, within this
0: okay
1: so the deep vesicles detach and lift off from the substrate when the sh- wall shear rate is higher than a minimum value gc this minimum depends upon the viscosity the density of the vesicles in solution the vesicle radius or and the vesicle radius when the vesicles are unbound from the substrate they hover at a distance d from the wall which increases upon increasing the shear rate At a D value sufficient to establish equilibrium, there is a hydrodynamic lift force, which is equal to the apparent weight of the vesicle. And so there's a lot of stuff going on here. They give us this equation um, to calculate the apparent weight um, based upon, like, density and all of these other things. Um, Expect to maybe see something like doing a calculation. But as I look at this, like, there's that radius to the third, and there's, like, DRG. This seems like kind of a complex math problem. So they're probably more likely to test relationships. Whereas I've noticed that like, if I increase the radius, that's going to increase the apparent weight. Um, if my, Actually, all of the variables, if you increase them, it's going to increase your apparent weight. Um, with the exception of like the radius is to the third power. So that's going to be an exponential increase as we go through there. Um, but yeah, it seems like that's just kind of like setting us up to look at table one, where they give us some actual things. Um, I will say before I jump too far into this, you know, they, they kind of are telling you that they're looking at buoyancy, like some buoyant forces. That's where apparent weight comes in. Apparent weight is how much does something weigh when it's underwater, right? Mm. Like, so like I, I'm not going to say how much I weigh, but when I'm in water, I weigh less. (laughs) Um, and so that my apparent weight is how much I would weigh if I was completely submerged in water. Mm. Uh, so we have this table one where they give us, um, all of these different different values my n naught which i'm guessing is like you know different experiment numbers we have my radius we have my p which is apparent weight we have my drg which is in pascals per meter um we have the um, viscosity of this thing divided by the viscosity of water um that's the funky n that we have there um, one minus, I'm guessing the velocity here. We have GC, which from up above is the shear. Um, what do they call this? The shear something? Um, Where's the GC? I know it's somewhere up here.
0: Shear something.
1: Yeah. Uh, misplaced anyway. It's, it's something. It's up that here
0: deflated vesicles detach and lift off from the substrate when the wall shear rate sheer is higher rate. than a minimum value.
1: Yeah. So that's the minimum value for the wall shear rate. Yep. Um, and then we have the angle, um, that we have here and seems like they only gave us that for some of these and not for all of them. So they might maybe ask us a question about this. Um, and then as I, as I look for the explanation of the table, it clarifies some of those things. So V is the reduced volume and over N is the viscosity relative to water. And the angle is the angle of inertia relative to the flow direction. And so how these things are moving relative to the flow itself. So um kind of a a physics passage a little bit you know fluid dynamics some buoyancy stuff going on some viscosity things um but as is always the case the mcat gives it kind of a bio spin by looking at the you know erythrocytes and like stuff in blood vessels yeah so looking at the the first question here question 53 what is the lift force for the vesicle reported in table one that would be the last to detach from the vascular wall And then we have 0.2 piconewtons, 153 piconewtons, 68.7 pascals per meter, and 121.9 pascals per meter.
0: What is the lift force for the vesicle reported in Table 1 that would be the last to detach from the vascular wall? So the last to detach from the vascular wall, I'm assuming, is going to be... Um the weight, the one that's heaviest? Um just seems to make sense. So which one's the heaviest? We have this P value, the apparent weight. So the biggest apparent weight one is this last one. So just thinking through that. Okay. Um so what is the lift force for the vesicle reported in table one that would be the last to detach from the vascular wall. I think it'd be too easy to go. Oh, it's one fifty three point six, which is the apparent weight because that's what that is, and it's in pascals, pascals per newton, pascals newton.
1: That's so a pico newton. Pico
0: newton, um,
1: like a millimeter sort of thing,
0: like a yeah. I, I'm assuming it's gonna be too easy to to just pick that number because it matches. So I'm not going to DRG. We said is. Oh, what did we say DRG is? Um, and this is the... That's a,
1: that's a mixture of a lot of things, right? D is the distance. R is the physical mm. radius. G is, I think, just like yeah. 9.8 meters per second squared. So
0: that's not a specific thing. Yeah. Um, Oh man. So it it's weird. It's it's like because 121.9, which is the answer choice D, is also the 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 DRG for that last one.
1: <sighs> so so it isn't just asking like which of these would be the last. It's yeah. it's asking what would be the lift force. Correct. And so um a lot of students I would encourage them to like, oh like hang on, like pay attention to units, right? We're looking, we're looking for a force. Um which is measured in newtons. Yep. And so, like, a Pascal, which is what C and D are in, those aren't newtons.
0: Mm. A Pascal
1: is, like, a newton per meter squared. And so C and D are both going to end up being, like, newtons per meter cubed. So it's, like, a force divided by a volume, which is not a force. Um, So even if you have, like, no idea what's going on, um, if you know that, like, a force is a newton, then the answer's got to be A or B, which Feels good uh, like to have, like, you could be completely lost, and you're at a 50-50 <laughs> on this. Yep. Um, you, could, you could completely skip the passage. You could just look at the question, and you know it's A or B from this, Okay. Um, which feels good. I, I could feel your self-doubt. I'm wondering if that happened, like, after the the chemistry passage <laughs> from the previous one. You're like, like, it can't be this easy. I don't <laughs> trust it.
0: Um, yeah.
1: But it is actually going to be B for this one.
0: Yeah, just, okay. It 153
1: is that easy. yeah it's the the apparent weight so that's how much it's going to weigh to lift it and so that one's going to require 153 newtons to lift and a is going to require just 0.2 newtons so that one's going to be a whole lot easier to so lift, and it's going to come off the wall easier so
0: let me ask you so 153.6 pico newtons to me that's the force that would just keep it there but to lift it up it would have to be more than that
1: yeah it would have to be yeah, more than that. <laughs> yep, absolutely. The, so the to
0: answer be, should like, be 153.7.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So that would be the, or one fifty three point six zero 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 one. Yep. right? Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, all right. So it was that easy. All right, so uh, an easy one just from a, uh, and that's always that that trick, right, of just really understanding and paying attention to the the units and and yeah helping helping your answer choices with that
1: yeah i love units there's there are a lot of questions out there and i feel like if anything the aamc has more questions that are answered answerable that way than we do Mm. um because we want to really encourage students to know the equations because sometimes you have to know the equation um in order to get it right but um the aamc a lot of times you can use your units and so Sometimes that'll just straight up give you the answer. Sometimes it gets you to a 50-50, which is still really nice. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you don't even have to do anything beyond that just because like the answer's got to be in Newtons because they're asking for a force.
0: Yeah. Okay, question 54. According to the results presented by the experiments, the relationship between the lift force and the vesicle radius would be best described as? All right, uh, a linear B. B inverse, C exponential, or D sigmoidal. And so the lift force we know from the last question is kind of equal to that uh, P, the apparent weight. Right. And so we know the equation for P, for the apparent weight, because they gave it to us, this for whatever that P is, radius cubed, divided by three then mm-hmm. uh, times drG so radius here because it's cubed that there's that exponential um relationship so uh the relationship between the lift force and the vesicle radius would be described as exponential I think
1: yeah so just looking straight at the equation absolutely I mean like as if radius doubles the the apparent weight is going to be eight times bigger because it's raised to the third power yeah um, now, you can answer it that way by looking at the equation. You could also just look at the table, right? Um, as we go from, like, you know, the first row to, I'm going to say the fourth row because the radius there goes from 8.7 to 27.3, which is about three times bigger. Because mm-hmm. um, nine times three is 27, which is close enough. Now, the the apparent weight goes from 0.2 to 13, that yep. is not three times bigger. Yeah. That would be if it went from like 0.2 to 0.6. And so this is like way bigger. So it's definitely an exponential relationship Yeah. Um, going through here. It would be inverse if it was the opposite. If one doubled and the other one doubled, that would be linear. Sigmoidal would imply that it's increasing slowly at first and then increasing very quickly and then increasing slowly again. And if we look at this table, like it seems like the apparent weight just keeps increasing a lot it never seems kind of like level out here yeah um but that's how you can answer it using the table honestly it's probably easier to do it the way you did but just look at the equation like that's an exponential equation exponential relationship all right all right so question 55 when the researchers connected the solution filled glass plates to the flow chamber of the ac generator alternating current generator the indium 10 oxide coated plates most likely functioned as a, a resistor, B, a capacitor C, a galvanic cell and D, an electrolytic cell
0: <sighs> Solution filled glass plates of the flow chamber to the AC generator ITO coded plates functioned as hmm. And so just for my own uh, thing that indium tin oxide resulting 1.5 volt potential difference between the two plates um, a resistor and capacitor just don't make sense for this question i don't i don't i don't think i don't know um so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 50-50 with C or D and choose D, but uh, I, I don't know why.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> going through a resistor is something that's we're going to have trouble getting like current through. Yep. Um, but current will go through it. Yep. A capacitor ends up like building up charge yep. on two different areas. A galvanic cell is a battery that is releasing energy. And an electrolytic cell is a battery that we are inputting energy into, so like recharging. Um, so as they go through this, we talk about these plates. And there's a potential difference between them by a 1.5 volts. So that means that there is a difference in charge from one plate to the other. Mm. And we're creating an electric field or a voltage here. Um, so it's actually just going to be a capacitor. Mm. Um, as a matter of fact, there's a type of capacitor called a parallel plate capacitor, which is exactly what this is um, as we have the two glass plates um, and some distance separated between them. Um, now, Very often I would say that there's got to be some form of like power source here. And the power source could be a galvanic cell. um, But the passage tells us that we connect this to this alternating current, like outside of this. Um, And so electrochemical cells tend to produce direct currents, not alternating currents. Um, So it makes me kind of want to lean away from the electrochemical cells, the galvanic or the electro. Definitely kind of a, now, th- this question is not so much a like pure passage. This is like a, an outside knowledge thing of like circuits. Yeah. Um, so once again, another example of how the MCAT likes to smash multiple topics together. <laughs> um, this is a passage mostly about fluid dynamics, but now all of a sudden there's a question in here about circuits.
0: Yeah. Thanks MCAT.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so last question from our last passage in Fizz. I will miss you. Mm. <laughs> so, according to the experimental procedure, which of the following describes the physical properties of indium-10 oxide? Uh, one, opaque. Two, electrically conducting. Three, solid at standard temperature. Now, we have, like, a bunch of different answers here with Roman numerals. So, A is just 2, three. B is just 3, C is 1 and 3, and D is 2 and 3.
0: So, a... Uh, <sighs> It doesn't make sense that electrically conducting wouldn't be a property because we just talked about all the electrical current and stuff happening right. on this. So two seems like it has to be a- an answer. So that would throw out B, which is three only, and C, which is one and three only. And so the question is, is it only electrically conducting, which is A, or is it electrically conducting and solid at stam- standard temperature <sighs> the, the the thing for me I don't remember seeing anything about temperature in the passage about is it heated is it cooled etc all i see is that this ito was spread on the faces which Mm -hmm. tells me that it's probably not solid um
1: well it's spread on these plates and then we're running water through through in between the plates to kind of like see how well the the vesicles kind of like lift off of that
0: yeah so you're saying it is solid (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be a solid. Because if it was a liquid, it would probably just wash away.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and so we're coating this with something here. Another thing to note is that we're dealing with a tin oxide, which is going to be a metal, right? Mm. It's an oxidized metal, but it's still a metal. It's going to be like a, a nail that's rusted.
0: Yeah, and mercury um, is only like the the random metal that's yeah, liquid. Yeah, mercury
1: is the weird oddball one. Um, and so given the fact that this is just some like metallic oxide definitely makes sense for it to be electrically conducting and probably a solid. Um, note that they say in like in the sentence where they bring that up, it's like transparent indium tin oxide, which means it's not going to be opaque. (laughs) It's not opaque, uh, Yes. Because it's transparent. Like it literally says transparent. So you can eliminate Roman numeral one from that pretty quickly.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, that's it. That's it for the passage. Um, a lot of stuff going on. Once again, they gave us a lot of data. You know, that previous passage had a lot of data in a table. This one also has a lot of data in the table. You didn't end up using quite as much of it, though. Um, yeah. Focusing specifically in on the the topics that the MCAT tends to care about, you know, given this passage is about, like, buoyancy, like the apparent weight, how much it weighs, in water seems to be, like, the main thing they, they really cared about with it from this passage.
0: All right. There you have it. Some more fun full-length one work for you here on the mcap podcast again you can get this for free as well as many other great resources you can go to my link medical slash bp free that's blueprint bp free i hope you have a great week we'll see you next time here on the mcap podcast